0: Hey everyone, this is Bradley Chlepsky, Editor-in-Chief and co-founder of MerchantFraudJournal.com. And on this episode, we're going to be continuing our conversation with ex-fraudster Alex All. He's going to talk about specific actionable items, how he goes into organizations and increases their fraud prevention defenses. It was a great conversation, absolutely invaluable insight you won't hear anywhere else. Thanks again, Alex, for being willing to share your expertise with us. And remember, you can get all the latest merchant fraud tips and tricks on merchantfraudjournal.com. Enjoy. So let's start to bridge the gap here. So you make the decision um, because of your family that you want to move on. You make that top-level decision. What does that look like? Where do you where do you go? How do you say? I'm done with this today and I'm going to go on to the other side. How do you start to work your way across the barrier?
1: So, um, I did have, so at the time I knew that I had some traffic warrants out for me. So I went and I turned myself in on those. And while I was locked up for those, I also found out that I had this mid-level trafficking charge associated with my name. So I said, what the hell? Found out that this dude from high school, uh, that I used to serve different, you know, things to, um, he had snitched on me. He rolled on me, sold me out, and um, I uh, I got busted for that. So I ended up selling a, a half ounce of coke to a to a cop. So I found out about that while I was locked up on traffic warrant. So um, for mid level trafficking, you're looking from one to four years in prison, or what three to seven years, I think it was three to seven years in prison. Um, you know, so it scared the shit out of me. Uh, I went to court. I spent six months in jail, uh, going through the court process and, uh, was able to get out on probation. So, but I was also because it was mid-level trafficking and I had a, a high, um, uh, whatever they call it, missing court. I, I never went to court. I didn't care. Everything went to warrant. So because of that, I was put on high, uh, intense supervision. So that's house arrest. So, because I had a drug charge, I couldn't go live with my family because my mother-in-law was uh, on probation at one point in her life. I couldn't go live with, with my family. And so they actually house arrested me to the Catholic Charities homeless shelter. Wow. So I'm house arrested for what's supposed to be 19 months to a homeless shelter. Uh, a lot of loops and, and hoops to jump through. Um, but I ended up finding a job. I decided that, you know, I would be most effective either in an operations management position or in a fraud prevention capacity. So I got a job working at a fraud distribution comp or a vape distribution company. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, within my first six months I had got the transaction analysis down. I brought their chargeback rate from $28,000, uh, six month rolling average of $28,000 a month for chargebacks down to 8,000. Um, Every quarter we were doing $158,000 worth of transaction analyses. Um, and then I identified a bunch of return fraud that was going on there. So at the end of my first six months there, we calculated about $1.2 million in mitigated and prevented losses that, that that were due to fraud. So I'm happy with that, but that was the first uh, success that I had on this side of the fence. And then, um, yeah, I was promoted several times. I ended up managing the dropship division over there. Helped all the all the accounts that I was managing. Helped all them get get their fraud situations under control. How to how to do transaction analysis, um, and chargeback representments. And then COVID hit, and now I own dispute defense consulting, and I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah. there we go.
0: <laughs> Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> Um so I want to go all the way back there to the beginning. Uh, you gave us kind of the the broad overview there. So you start working you said for a a uh, a specific company. That was so you weren't getting into a a a prevention company that works with multiple clients, you were working for a single business. Yeah. So take me through that process. Now's where I want you to 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 share all that that great expertise that you have. I want I want to know the whole the whole thing that you're willing to share. You get in there. What are you looking for? What's day one? What are you thinking? I gotta figure out where this is, that is. I gotta to... take me through that whole process.
1: Okay, uh, it was actually really awesome because they didn't have anybody dedicated to fraud prevention prior to me working there. What they did have was customer service representatives who would look at orders that were flagged by shopify so when i first stepped my first step foot in there i had to learn of course what their system was well they didn't really have one if shopify flagged it over here their fulfillment software would unissue the order and then it would go up for for analysis but nobody knew how to analyze it no one knew what these different data points represented like the avs the card code the cvv uh, card response code um whether or not the billing and the shipping address should match what the ip address this and and they didn't know how to look at any of that. So what I did was, again, I learned their system, and then I started. I'm like, well, I've done this on that side plenty of times. What uh, what would I be trying to do? You know, what? How do fraudsters do this? So I just created a spreadsheet really quick. I found out. This is my first experience with seeing it on the back end, right? Seeing it from the merchant's perspective. And I realized like,
0: I don't mean to cut you off, but what, like, what is that? You're on the, other. it's like looking through the looking glass, right? You must've been freaking out a little bit.
1: Yes. it, It was awesome. It was so awesome to see like, uh, uh, this is what they see. And this is, this is what, options you have and this is what the reports look like this is how you configure your your fraud uh, your fraud flags this is how you configure this oh my goodness this is so awesome I get to have so much fun and it was just fun because I got to step in and, and play with all these different rules and all the different uh uh, the transaction, the data points, and then jump between systems. Man, it was just a bunch of fun.
0: Did you find um, it intuitive to connect the two? Were you like, oh, I can see how I can use this to get at what I used to do? Or did that take you a little while to to kind of really put them together?
1: So once you learned the interface, uh, so once you learned the interface, yes. Uh, after getting to know where things are in the interface, knowing how they work together, And knowing how on that side of the fence, we used to bridge that gap by using social engineering or, or, or whatever we'd call in and say, Hey, my, you know, my wife ordered that. Can you just put it through? Oh, sure. We used to bridge the gap that way. Well, I can bridge the gap just by clicking this button, but I know what people are calling in for so I can help people in customer service. Oh man, it was such a great time. And yes, you're right. It was super intuitive.
0: That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited just hearing you talk about it It because it, it, it must be I'm sure on the on the other side you're always kind of aware that people are trying to stop you and you're probably also trying to figure out the couple times you do get stopped because I'm sure you get stopped I'm sure everybody gets stopped how they knew that what they were looking at and so you probably were thinking of your former self and going this is it this was that thing when I was so frustrated that these people stopped me. This is what they were looking at. It's uh it's like a rare moment where you really get that closure on the other end to to paint that whole picture. So 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's so cool. So um so what what I know you you don't want to give away the whole uh the whole kitchen sink here so to speak, but what are some of the things, once you get set up, you understand you, you're, you're, you're not figuring out the system anymore. Where are you looking that fraudsters are slipping through? What's the, what's the kind of low-hanging fruit that you didn't even really need to dig into the numbers so much? You just saw it and said, oh, I know what that is. I can stop that right off the bat.
1: Um, well, of course, your card code. If your card code is not on point. Like, why even process the the transaction if it's e-commerce? Why even, you know, if your CBV is not on, why even do that? Uh, Secondarily, be aware of what your AVS response codes represent. And then thirdarily, (laughs) third, Third (laughs) uh, make sure that you understand the importance of what the story is being told to you with every transaction. So if you use these five data points, five, six data points, uh, the billing, the shipping, card code, address, name, blah, 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 blah. It tells a story. Everyone tells a story, and if it, it and and just be aware of what these
0: so what these data points represent. So, give me an example of a good story and a bad story.
1: Okay, so well, the good story is uh, billing and the shipping match, right? With an AVS response code of Y, and the IP address is no more than ten kilometers, depending on how it's measured, away from the uh, zip code. Or within 10, 10 kilometers of the zip code. That's the best one. AVSY, building and shipping match, card code represents M if it's Shopify. And um and within ten kilometers. Perfect story. Good. Uh so bad weren't, story. Weren't you oh.
0: able as a fraudster though to manipulate those? Yes. Right. So so it's still <laughs> iffy. You never yeah. know how so to percent. A-
1: There's an A and a B after you flag the transaction. So there's a transaction flag and then you can go course A or course B. Course A is going to be that you request additional documentation. So then you're forcing these people. So say, say, um, you catch this bad transaction, the story tells you a bad story. So you're like, okay, I want to verify this further. So you request verification documents from them. Now, um, PCI compliance and all this different stuff about what information can go where. You just get the card minus the CVV and the first 12, you Get the last four, right? Um, and you get their ID minus their ID number. Now, when you and a selfie, right? So they take a selfie. You get those three pictures submitted for this one transaction. And um, that's how you can do a secondary verification um we call it just request verification docs. When you do this, now you got to be aware of what the security features are on each of these things. Like I've been able to identify that the seal was wrong on a fake ID that someone submitted. I was able to identify that the card that was embossed and tinned looked good, great, but they put a MasterCard on the Visa, you know? Like you can identify all these things. And um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's the importance between customer satisfaction and merchant security that has to be taken into consideration. Um, And then you consider that every chargeback is worth, you know, any amount of money. If you lose pre arbitration or arbitration and you pay another $275 on top of that $80 transaction, you tell me if it was worth giving the customer the benefit of the doubt.
0: Right. So my question, my question is we talk a lot in the industry about these high tech algorithms about, thousands of data points across all these kinds of different areas, but you, the guy that's been on the other side, you're not talking about that. You're talking about kind of old school detective shit. Like I'm looking at the englossed uh MasterCard seal on the, the card or on the ID and picking out fake IDs. What are your thoughts on the state? And it's maybe a little bit of a digression, but I just want to ask while it's relevant, What is, what are your thoughts on the state of the industry, the broader kind of high tech fraud prevention industry as somebody who's been on the other side and is now on this side? Do you think it's good, bad? Are you indifferent? Do you think that it's all a bunch of hype? Like what, what is, what is your thought on that?
1: Uh, so it is awesome. I gotta say it is awesome. But there are some missing points. There are some missing, there are some missing things. So um, the the, so the fraud prevention industry as a whole, right? You're going to have different types of fraud prevention. So you have your data point transaction and analysts or software. You have your chargeback representments. You have your ID validators. You have your device validators. You have your data, uh, your service orchestrators. Then you have your graph data, this. All of them do different things, right? But all of them have the same sales message, which is – so even though they might have one, two, or three service offerings uh, to their software, they'll say, hey, we're the best at what we do. You need us. Okay, well, no one can argue with that. I got you. But here's the thing. No one single service is the end-all, be-all. No one is the ultimate fraud prevention solution. And that's my that conclusion that I have is based on the fact that as a fraudster um, i exploited every transfer of value that you can in, that you can imagine you know and i always give the comparison between the hot dog stand on the corner and the corporate juggernaut on the, you know walmart right so you have the the hot dog stand what his needs are for a fraud prevention service is the ability to identify fake cash that's it simple that's his entire strategy that's all he needs cool we'll now go to walmart Walmart has cash, checks, card. Then they have cashing checks. Then they have lines of in-store credit. Then they have e-commerce. They have drop shipping. They have the Amex, Bluebird, Money Center, this and this and that, sending money, this and that, money orders, uh, return policies, marketing promos. They have all of these different transfers of value that stand to be exploited. Each one of them needs to be aware of how they stand to be exploited. Now, what one system... Can Walmart hire to handle all of its fraud prevention? There isn't one, not in my opinion. There's, there's ones that can have different effects at different places. Don't get me wrong. That's why I say they're awesome. I'm not putting billions of dollars into the d software, right. but they have, and they're, they're diving down the rabbit hole of transaction data point transaction analysis, and they're doing a damn good job. Right? So they're awesome. But there's a lot of gaps in between the different service providers and, um, that's actually what Dispute Defense aims to do, is, is I aim to work with all these different service providers in order to help supplement you know, where their clients might need a little bit more care or a little bit more, more direction um, outside of just transaction analysis. They might need a little bit of help with their policies, a little bit of help with their returns, a little bit of help with uh, identifying uh, friendly fraud in their chargebacks, but that way The service providers can keep their market share and be a little bit more effective, rather than you know losing it to someone else. So, anyway, that's my assessment of the entire fraud prevention industry. No, that's great because I I aim to help.
0: It's great. No, it's a great. I've never heard anyone put it that way, and it's a really interesting thought because obviously I come from the other side. I started working in with these high tech solutions, Um, and so it's really interesting for me to hear you talking about how you're doing it as somebody who's actually been down in the muck is not a data scientist, but somebody who's really done the thing. And then when you go over to the other side, you're, you're using like old school MacGyver methods to try and find people. And that's just a, it's, it's a huge disconnect for someone because from my end, I mean, I, I, I was never working in the prevention area. I worked in the marketing part of the business, but when we would talk about the the product, we're always talking about the same technology that you use in car, you know, self driving cars and all these kinds of things. And so to have you in front of me saying that you're you're checking for IDs to make sure the decals are are there, uh, it's really interesting to hear that there are gaps. And that you you can't just automate the problem away at the end of the day. And I think that's why we also still see, a, a, I know in our publication, we've come out in favor of the idea that there's always going to be a human fraud analyst role. Because people are always going to find those gaps in the blanket solution. And they're going to have to find someone that knows where those gaps are and can fill them. But it's still interesting to... I guess I hadn't really thought of what that meant when you're talking about such low tech, low fi methods that are effective and catching things that, like you said, companies that have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of R and D going into these algorithms can't ultimately get. So I guess it gives me some hopes that maybe one day we'll, we'll figure out the matrix and we'll, we'll get out. of the- <laughs> So there's, there's a,
1: So I I want to make sure that even though I said what I said, um, Oh man, I really appreciate what these guys are doing, what these different teams are doing. I won't name anybody specifically, but you know who you are. They're doing badass work. They're doing amazing work, but it's just so laser focused, right? They're going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole for that form of, of, of fraud prevention and they're doing an amazing job. So I don't want to discredit anybody in the game. They're all doing awesome. Um, it's just yeah, there is space in between them. And AIML, you know, uh, institutions are, are doing, or um, yeah, they're doing really well. Um, but yeah, it, it, to your point, I feel best. The best fraud prevention strategy is going to include as much automation as is possible, with someone overseeing it at the top, in order to have that human element. Just we can get rid of a whole fraud prevention team, in my opinion automate all their processes and have someone overlook it and manage the software. Now the more hands, the better because you have thought process going on, but if you're really looking to be a, you know, <laughs> a robot, Bring- <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: So I'm curious now when you, when you go off and you're working on your own um, I want to, I want to get into kind of what the difference between working in in one company versus working with a, a bunch of different organizations as a freelancer, so to speak, because obviously they're conceptually different. But I'm I'm interested to know you don't have as much time to work with each person when you're not there nine to five or whatever every day. You're you're focused on that one thing. You're doing it over and over again, and there you can really build your house the way you want it built, you can set the foundation, build it up, you're there for months, years, you, you could put everything just so with a budget, You probably hire some people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very different than going into a situation where you're just someone that they're bringing in for an immediate ROI, you have to get some quick wins, probably cut some corners, even though I'm sure you won't wanna say that, just to get to where you need to be fast enough um, and you're not so much worried about building the best possible ship or best possible house as you are delivering value on why they're hiring you right away. So I'm interested kind of when you're transitioning across that divide, if your mindset shifts or if you're just taking certain things that you know are top level absolute has to have and then leaving some maybe the more nuanced details out because you don't just don't have the time to do it with the amount of time you're spending with that merchant what is that what does that look like on your end when you're striking that balance between speed and effectiveness
1: so i've put together a a four-step process and that's what kind of sets me apart or sets dispute defense apart from from a lot of other service providers is um the fact that i first identify what what i've but I term as transfers of value, just like I was saying before. Um, I want my solution to be, um, as effective as possible for the merchant. I'm not coming in saying my solution is the best as it is by my solution. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, let's get together. Let me find out where, where you stand to be exploited. I, I can help you identify where you stand to be exploited. And, um, then let's put together a platform or a, let's put together a strategy that's going to play out over 6 months. 6 months as you know is the is the average lifespan of a transaction before, you know, chargebacks can be filed up to 6 months later, sometimes 2 years, but if you don't see it by 6 months, you're not going to see it. You can almost guarantee that, right? If you don't see the chargeback within 6 months. My contracts last about 6 months and it and it starts off finding out what the needs of the of the merchant are. And then I work with them on a weekly basis uh, or bi-weekly basis if they have the software that they need. Um, and along the way, we just put these policies in place that are going to strengthen up their um, they're going to strengthen their their operations. In addition to that, inter- inter- management so they can track the effect of fraud and ha- as it happens over the course of months, quarters, you know, years. Um, we establish what fraud might look like in every one of their departments. It's it's an involved process at the very beginning, but then you just kind of see it play out and make adjustments as you go. And then they take my assessment at the first, at the onset, and they take my assessment at the end. We see what the differences are. And um, Hopefully, after six months, they don't need me anymore. Hopefully, after six months, I've done my job. They understand everything that they need to understand, and they can move forward. Now, if it's a high-volume place, I might refer them over to one of my partners, Um you know, for the data point transaction analysis, but it's understood that that's all that software is going to do is data point transaction analysis, and guarantee the, the the transaction amount. That's it. So, if that's all they want, and they can, you know, make use of one of my partners, they go right ahead. So that's how that works.
0: So, do you find in the course of your work that the the biggest determining factor? is just the merchant-specific business versus what vertical they're in or how they're choosing to sell online. Is there a lot of variation that you need to do as a prevention specialist based on what industry or vertical that you're working in? Or are you finding that fraudsters are fraudsters kind of wherever they are?
1: Um. So yeah, my, my biggest claim to fame on the streets was the ability to exploit a vertical outside of retail and wholesale. Um, I won't go into which right now, but that was my biggest claim to fame. You could make a $300,000 income off of 20 minutes of work and it wasn't, had nothing to do with credit cards. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty lightweight as far as the workload goes. Um, but so in doing that, um, every transfer of value has its ways of being exploited and that's what uh, my whole operation is heavily weighted on the idea of transfers of value if the if i can send you a box of rocks call it a return and you give me money we participated in a transfer of value if i can send you a social security number a name and a billing address and you send me a card for in-store credit that's our transfer of value. And I didn't pay with a credit card. I didn't pay with cash or check. It's outside of all of that. So to answer your question, the industry doesn't matter as much as what is being transferred. If you're basing it on stuff that can be socially engineered, like a return, or if you're basing it on something that's just profile information, like a in-store credit, um, at the end of the day, it is possible to list out every possible combination because you know it's all going to be an ID and a credit card or it's all going to be an ID and a social security number, uh, billing address. The different variables are going to be there. So then it just depends on, again, whatever transfers they participate in.
0: So what, what would you say are kind of the most common methodologies that fraudsters are using right now? If you had to pick two to three that people could – look out for or come to you for help uh better yet what what would be those types of of common things that you're seeing people do
1: um i don't think that credit card is going to be the top of the line all the time okay Our, my internet's failing for some reason can you hear me yeah i still hear you Oh, okay. My internet started. Okay. I think that the thing that's going to live on by volume, card transactions, no matter what you avoid that, um, people trying to, uh, you know, use stolen credit cards online from the dark web.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you think just, I would, the sheer volume of people that can do that, I guess, and do it very easily makes it, uh, mm -hmm. makes it easy. Okay. And what would be the other one?
1: Uh, so to I would suggest that if you have not put real into, uh, your development of a fraud prevention strategy, get in touch with me. Uh, just if you haven't done it yet, you need to, uh, that, that doesn't matter if you're doing 50,000 a year, 500 million a year. If you haven't put real thought towards your prevention strategy, contact me. Let's talk because, uh, when you get hit for thirty thousand dollars and you're not prepared for it, thirty thousand dollars worth of transactions, you got to you got to consider the way that fraudsters operate. When they find a place that works, they just keep attacking. It's it's like a shark that smells blood. So then they they find out that this works this way. They put it on the dark web. They 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 advertise their method that they found. I I, I stress they do. I never. That's ridiculous. So <laughs> why, why
0: ridiculous?
1: Because then it just plays it out. It, it 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 waters it down and then eventually it gets fixed. If I now get a 2000 or TV from, you know, Big Box, day, right? Why would I go tell someone how to do it? Why don't I just keep
0: doing right. it once so, or twice a month? Is that like a fame thing? Do People, like, people just can't keep their mouth shut because they feel like a baller doing They that think kind
1: they're of thing? cool. Yeah. They think they're cool. I'd rather be the best that I can be, silent in my own room. No one needs to know about me except for whoever's in my network, and that's it. Everyone else wants to be too cool for school, you know. They're they got the green, they got the green little skull and the and the pink skull like on the pirate bay next to their names on the dark web, and they got these really cool status symbols. Oh my goodness! Yeah, no, nah, that's the not me. <laughs> right, I'm the one chilling over here doing math. Anyway, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think as far as I go, uh, if you haven't developed a strategy, get get in touch with me. I'll tell you where your soft spots are, and I'll tell you what you need to do to get them fixed, and how to identify what attempts look like. That's the most important thing: is to know how to identify what attempts look like.
0: So this is yeah. this is going to be my last question, not because I don't have more, but because I've already taken up an hour of your time, um, and maybe we could do this again sometime because I I have so many so many questions, but. I guess to to close it out, I would I would ask kind of a fun question, which would be, what do you do to protect your personal information and your credit card information from fraudsters? And if you just say you just there's nothing I can do and I just kind of leave it up to to chance, that's a a fair answer. But I'm, I'm curious what you do as someone that's been on that other side to try and protect yourself.
1: I stay away from low-end credit cards. I stay away from things that are readily accessible to to anybody, right? Um, But there's a catch-22 to that, because if you go to high-end, high-requirement credit cards and debit cards, things that have a lot of prerequisites, those are the ones that are specifically being targeted by smart fraudsters, right, based on their bin numbers. So – No, to tell you the truth, I got rid of all my prepaid stuff. Like when I first established my company, because of my history, I had, I, there was no getting a real credit card or a real debit card. So I stuck with prepaid for a long time, but I got rid of all that. Now I'm, now I'm established and I'm a big boy. Um, at the end of the day, unfortunately, just like so many merchants, you know, we rely on the ability to. Just watch out for fraud that goes into our system, not necessarily our cards getting stolen because we have the guarantee of chargebacks. So bank with someone good. Bank with someone who has your back. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it. When it comes to consumer fraud, I'm sorry to say there's really nothing you can do because a lot of it can be generated. A lot of it's available whether you just file your chargebacks and hope your issuer has your back. Sorry.
0: <laughs> wow. I, I can't thank you enough for your time, Alex. This has been just amazing and so much fun for me. And I really appreciate you coming on and being willing to share your story and tell us more. And congratulations on getting your life in this direction and your family and taking care of them. That's just an incredible, incredible story and uh, really happy to hear it. And you're a great guy. And uh, we're happy to have you on this side of the, of the fence. <laughs>